this is good. This week, we're answering questions from our listeners. We're talking about a bunch of things, like pitching and writing treatments and leading your own film team. So, here's the show. Jared, we're live. We're live. This is our first uncut version because this episode is for the people. Mm-hmm. That's why we do it. It is true. We do it for you. And we're bringing you an uh, audience. Uh, how, how would we say this? I don't even know what you're saying. So This is an audience show. This is a show dictated by our audience. The questions you guys want to hear uh, us talk about. So we've selected a few questions for this episode, and uh, we're going to go through them. Jared, are you excited about this episode? Yeah, I'm texting right now. Sorry. <laughs> so because this is uncut, you might hear, you know, bzz, bzz. yeah, you might hear some <laughs> stupid stuff. You might hear us say, um, a lot more. Or you know, like. Might, right. You sorry. Our, my, sorry. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's going to happen. You know what I mean? Um. I did notice right. when I listened to your episode with Lucas um, from Dude, last up. week, uh, you've actually shortened, you know what I mean, to, you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost <Man>. one word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you might hear my dog running around. You might hear my dog barking at something because he's literally uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. He's a menace. Yeah. And um but Jared, have you thought about that. putting him down? <laughs> wow. He did you hear him? He heard that. And he and he he barked. Um I also have a water bottle um that could be <laughs> <laughs> that you might crunch at some point. Yeah, if we get too if it gets too tense. Yeah. And we also are planning to use a lot of sound effects in this episode. Is that correct, Jared? Yeah, I think so. What kind of sound effects? Whatever, whatever needs, whatever we yeah. need to use. Fire, so, I think fireworks, bears growling. Yeah, bears growling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude, well, let's kick this off. Okay, you have these questions? I have some, I, I mean, I picked, we honestly, we got a lot of questions yeah, yesterday. That was good. That was we good. We put out a simple uh, tweet about it, a couple tweets saying, you know, this is going to be your episode. So you guys responded uh, in masses. I was a little, okay, so Christian was cool enough to um, schedule these tweets to go out, which is great. Um, and I said, hey, man. Do you, cause I, I saw your tweet, which was like, Hey, do you have any questions for, for Christian? And I was like, Oh, I'm hopefully you're, you're going to do one for me. And then I was like, do you need a picture? And you're like, nah. And then you put up this picture from like three years ago. Cause it's the best picture of you. Oh, you looked amazing in that. You picture. don't think I look good now? No, it's just like your beard was perfect in that one you know, like month of time. But it's so picture. much shorter now. Yeah, who cares? No one knows. Like nobody's gonna see you in person. I know. I just wanted to be real, and Unless I feel one like day we go to like a podcast convention or something, and everybody like awards us with something. Are we gonna do that? We should know. do. Does we should ex- do that. Does that exist? Probably in Vegas. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, let's just start off. Um, with, uh, this is a question from a man. Uh, does this man have a name? 
His name is Jake Brown. Okay. Jake Brown, thanks for your question. Uh, I'm just going to read this question because it was very, verbatim. Th- yeah, verbatim. <clears throat> I'd love to hear you guys talk about pitching and writing. Treatments. Slash writing. If we're slash doing it, writing. Verbatim apologies. would be slash writing, yeah. Also, no, yeah. Also, selfishly, I would like to hear Jared talk about being a director at a church. Um, I think he just got a job at a church. Yada, yada, a job yada. offer, job offer. Yeah, I thought you said verbatim. This is not verbatim. I wanted to just get to the meat of the question verbatim. Not okay. the entire thing, because uh, some of these are personal. You know what I mean? Oh, that's true. Are we going to say who submitted these questions? Yeah. Hey, Jake, Jake Brown. Hey, Jake Brown. Hey, we'd, Jake l- Brown. we'd love to do the best we can to answer your question. So I think we can kind of touch. Uh, here's the thing. I think you're. we got a lot of, because you are a director at a church. So we'll we just kind of, of, yeah, we'll make it into one question. I think we answer this pitching, writing, treatment question. First, but, yeah. Yeah, and then later on. We'll get to the directing uh, for a church because there were several questions like that. Sure. So just know that we are going to get to that. We're getting there. We're getting there. So, well, let me just ask Jared, when is the last time that you wrote a treatment? Um, uh, Is that a raven flying over your house? What is that? No, it's my dog, dude. I told you. What is he doing? He's, we have hardwood floors, so he's kind of just walking. And he kind of, if he doesn't have something that he wants, like a toy or something, he just kind of whines. He whines. <laughs> he sounds like a blackbird. <laughs> okay, okay. Like I have to give him something so that he's so. Look, right we're now. never gonna get through this if you keep. Yes, we are. Okay, yapping. here we go. So when is the last time okay. you wrote a treatment? Um, or are you writing one right now? Uh, no, not currently. I am. Uh, no. So probably, probably like four or five weeks ago. Been really busy at work, but always kind of, kind of trying to like pump out, um, treatments for music videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so the question is just talk about it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess, well, let's set this up. I'm mostly doing it for music videos. You're probably doing it more for like commercial stuff. So those are two very different things. Well, the thing is, neither of us know the answer. And no, yeah, no, no, I don't know the answer. Yeah. I think generally we could just talk about our experience with it. You know what I mean? Because you, I mean, we've had a conversation, you know, somewhat recently where you, you pitch for a lot of music videos that you never hear anything for. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? So I guess like learning from that stuff, what are you looking for? Like, what do you feel? Well, okay. So the thing is, looking for. I don't know because they're all, it's, it's different every time. Uh, obviously each artist is different, but some of it, again, I'm speaking from like a, a very specific like music video approach. Um, I, I have kind of the luxury of having a full-time job. So when it comes to music videos, it's only stuff that I really want to do. And, I kind of define like, you know, really want to do by like what I'm pitching. So I'm, I'm really interested with music videos, like exploring and like trying things and kind of challenging um, myself and the artist and whatever, just kind of like trying to make this something like a, like a really like growing thing for me. And so I don't really restrain myself when it comes to like an idea. So Usually it'll be pretty far out and I'll ask for, you know, a lot of money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And most of the time, I would say like most pitches 
or treatments that I write, I don't get. So, um, but at the same time, like some of them I do and I have like, because of what I've written and because of what I built out, I have a lot of freedom to like explore and like do this, like kind of track down and chase down this kind of crazy idea that I built out in the treatment. So, um, a lot of the, the, the process for me, we talked about this in episode, when did we talk to Eric? Was that two, three? Yeah, it was episode two, uh, two, yeah. Episode. I think, no, three, maybe three. Whenever we talked about music videos, I touched on this, but, um, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of like what we will kind of formalize into a treatment starts, um, as just a conversation between usually me and Eric, maybe I've Jacob who I work with a lot or Cody, um, we'll just kind of like throw around some ideas and a lot of them are conceptual or even visual or whatever. And then we kind of formalize them into a treatment and present it to them. And if they're up for it, then we go for it. If they're not, no sweat, you know, <laughs> less work for me. So, right. um, yeah, I think, I think when I'm writing a treatment for a music video, it's like, wouldn't it be insane if they let us do this? And that's kind of where we start. <laughs> yeah. I would say for me, like, it's not crazy different, but I think you're trying to anticipate what sometimes you, the thing is sometimes you don't even know who's going to read it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Same thing with music videos. Is it going to be the artist? Is it going to be a manager? Is it going to be like right. some kind of representation? Who knows? Yeah. So like you have to like, um, it's like you, you don't want to like dumb it down obviously, but like you have to communicate what you feel is like the meat of the project. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's, and for that, like I'm, I'm pitching for this, uh, uh, Red Bull thing in um, that's supposed to be starting in June or something like that. Um, and for that, it's very much a a guessing game of you. Th- I think the the goal that you have to stick to is like you can't do you can't write the treatment that you think that they're going to pick. You have to write the treatment that you want to make. Yeah, or else you know you're I mean? stuck doing something sucky. Yeah, because getting the job is not going to, like, getting the job or not getting the job is not the end of the world. What would be the end of the world is, like, having to make something that you hate. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So you have to, like, stick to the concept. Like, you have to, like, be a slave to, like, what you want to make and how you uh, genuinely see the project, like, becoming, you know, like... Like how you want to bring that thing to life is is your version, and that's it, you know. Yeah. So, but for something that's um, a little bit more general, you know, there's not treatments for a lot of things. It's very much just a relational thing. Like, oh, this we've worked with this person before. Yeah. He can direct it, or he can shoot it, or whatever, um, or this editor, or whatever. Um, but a lot of the time, like, there's not treatments. So it's when you get a treatment, it's because they've whittled things down to three directors right looking at you they're looking at you know jared hogan and they're looking at jake brown (laughs) you know what i mean so there's you have to in that sense you could obviously go to the side in your head where you're like well i need to stand out or i need to whatever but like the person who usually gets the job is like the person who says it best yeah and it's like you have no idea really what they're looking for either. So yeah. you have to like be yourself, 
you have to like do like be a slave to your concept, how you would want to do it. Because if you want to win the job, as much as it like rocks to win the job and like whatever, but there it's now your responsibility to do exactly what you said you were going to do. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, so, so, so there's another element to it as well. And this is probably just like an urban myth or something, but um, you know, like me and Eric, whenever we, not this part, but the part I'm about to say, um, whenever we like do a treatment, like Eric's a designer and he's amazing. So we'll like make it look really nice and send it off and like use some like really like poppy language, you know, to make it sound good. Um, and I was like, that's gotta probably be really important. And then, um, I've heard, you know, like the other side of things though, too, where like Spike Jones does a treatment and he literally like writes it and like text edit. And like, or like, just like, it's just like a, just like a, a, paragraph. a paragraph and it's like, pr- like amazing. You know what I mean? So I don't, right. there's, it depends who you're giving it to. And I guess it depends if you're Spike Jones or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's true. I mean, I've, I've talked to numerous directors where they say like, I, you know, we've talked about it, about him before, but my friend Diego, yeah, he should like, if you just looked at his treatments and how much time he spends on his treatments and like how many, how much care he actually puts, I would hire him. It's like obvious, like oh, this guy like really cares about this thing. But he, like, said, he sent me a treatment for. Uh, I I got him to do the uh, films about numbers uh, film, and um, he sent me a treatment for that, which I'm not paying him anything. I think he right. just like thinks like that, and it was like freaking right. beautiful. You right. know, but I just think some people do that. He's even told me that like he'll find out the like he he'll see the treatment that like won or something like that won the job and it's it's exactly what you just said it's like three paragraphs with like some pictures at the bottom of the page right and his is like a graphic novel so <laughs> I think if if you're if you're right his stuff's beautiful if you're I mean if you're writing a treatment for a commercial honest there's kind of like the self preservation side and like the artistic side of like like pitch something that you want to actually make, right. but also like you're making something for a client and they have like a need, they have like a problem that they need you to solve. So if you're wanting to like win a job, I mean, my best advice would be solve their problem in the most unique creative way. Yeah. Yeah. I think also, uh, kind of maybe a last point before we move on, but like, uh, it's a good idea to not just say what you want to do. But sometimes, especially if something seems really daunting or like if there's a kind of a big uh, technical issue or like problem that you guys are going to be solving with production, like say in the treatment how you plan to do that. I think that's really important because you can kind of come up with this treatment and you want to accomplish this thing. But like if just be, you know, weary of like, am I saying this, but it sounds impossible if it does kind of sound like a big question, like take a page in your treatment and say, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to use these lenses to create this feeling. We're going to use this camera system, to create this feeling. We want to shoot in this style. That's going to create this feeling, like break down everything that you want to do in order to put them at ease on like, okay, he's not just a creative person that came up with this idea. He's actually like a technical person that can accomplish what we want to do. You know what I mean? Yep. So let's move on. You know what I mean? Okay. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not even going to... Here's the thing. Uh, I'm not even going to try to stop saying it. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just saying bag of chips is going to be pissed. Yeah. Okay. This one's for you. And this is from Andrew Cagle. Okay. 
Um, so I'm going to read this verbatim. Okay. okay. Um, where is documentary filmmaking at right now and where is it going in reference to like the Vimeo age? You're, <clears throat> you're more of like a nonfiction guy. Would you say that's true? That's fair. I would say that that's what I make. Yes. Or what I get asked to make. Sure. I, so I, in no way do I want to end up there. Okay. That's interesting. We can talk about yeah. that later. Um, <laughs> uh, but how would you answer that question? Where is it at right now? And where is it going? I'll read you the rest of his question just to give you some context uh, or his thoughts. I think, I think with the Vimeo AIDS, there's a lot, there becomes a lot of cliche. I don't, hang on just a second. <laughs> Let me get this straight. <laughs> okay. It, it may be not written super clearly. Um, I think I can answer it without reading. Let me keep going. Okay. Sorry. What he's basically saying is um, in the Vimeo age, a lot of us who are DPs are are also, uh, are. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let me try. Do you need help? Nope, nope, nope. Uh, A lot of us who are directors are also our own DPs and sometimes sacrificed story for cool visuals that maybe don't mean the same thing to the audience. So with that little bit of extra context, how would you answer that question? I'm just going to go with my gut because I feel like this is where I'm at. I don't really know where documentaries at, but I think the people that are pushing the boundary in documentary, I feel like they don't want to end up in documentary. Like I just said, a lot of the people that are doing documentary work that um, find a really good balance of beauty to good storytelling are people who eventually want to do narrative films. So you have a lot of these people that grew up watching these really amazing kind of beautiful narrative films that are, you know, fiction based or adaptations, whatever, but they all come from like a, a very cinematic, like movie way of doing things. You know what I mean? So, um, at least for me, that is at least my goal with documentaries is like, bridging the gap between those two things, which is bringing the beauty and cinematic qualities of narrative film to the instantaneous moments that you capture in documentary. And like, if you can accomplish both of those, then I think that's something that hasn't, that doesn't happen a lot of times. So So. my question is, uh, that, and that's helpful. That's that's where you would say like you're kind of at. We're trying to be. It's very hard to to, <clears throat> to get there. Usually, and I, I think he's right. You know, um, you find yourself really trying to bridge bridge that gap, and you just lean towards visuals because that's the thing that's the easiest to make. Easiest for sure. Yeah, story yeah. like getting intangible um, human moments on film is incredibly hard. Yeah. And that's why you see, you know, you see things like Citizen Four, you see things like, um, you know, you see a lot of documentaries, documentaries like, you know, like The Devil and Daniel Johnston, like very kind of multimedia stuff because those people um, are focused like 100% on the story. 
You know, yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know her the, the the girl's name that made Citizen Four, but that thing like looks like crap. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Any, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter at all. And and I do think there is a um, this is it's all very interesting. And I think Vimeo is really like at the heart of it. Vimeo and YouTube and that whole kind of like ecosystem is so at the heart of this clash between style and substance, you know? Right. Um, and it's a really interesting conversation because you really can't have one without the other. I, that's not totally true. Maybe that's like kind of my philosophy well, a little you're, bit more. It's the thing with Vimeo is it's like, it's still on the internet. You're, you're putting things on the internet where the attention span of someone watching a film on the internet is maximum 10 minutes. Right. So you literally are, you're automatically putting yourself at a disadvantage. So that's like, I think that's why, like, you know, even the stuff that we were doing at music bed, um, with the documentary stuff, like you're like, that was the goal was to figure out how to put as much substance and beauty into this thing. That's four minutes long. Right. Because that's what people are going to watch. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like there, there is this, um, the swinging pendulum that is going between like the two things and you've got somebody like, 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 okay. So before, um, Vimeo like really took off and is became like what it is today. It was like all about the, the, um, development of like digital cinema, like, like, uh, camera tests and like, how can we make, like, let's slap a freaking uh, 35 millimeter adapter on an HVX because we want it to look filmic. And then there was this like way overcompensation with, um, the look of, of, uh, what we were able to accomplish, what you could shoot. Right. And then it hits like, a like a, a point where it's like, everybody's like, Whoa, that's out of control. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, there's two, like, in a good way. No, in a bad way. Like, like, um, people are too obsessed about how things are looking. And then it was like this dramatic shift to, it's all about story. And at the expense of like anybody ever doing anything that feels like lyrical or experimental where visual is kind of like at the core of it is like cheap and lazy. Yeah. And so I found myself, you know, in the middle of all trying to like navigate through all that. And I think what I've, what I found is like, I'm, I'm getting back to this documentary thing, but I think what I found is like, they really have to coexist, you know? And I yeah. think, um, even now though, it's like so far on the other side, like we're, you know, like a Casey Neistat or something like he doesn't care at all. Right like self-admittedly it doesn't care at all about how things look that he does or there's just like, and, and like the development of like being able to really film content on your phone. And like, it's just interesting to see like the pendulum swing between like what people think is like important and what's not important. And when it comes to documentary, I feel like, um, I, I don't know that how it looks is that important. And I think that like it is trending toward, it not mattering how it looks anymore. Would you agree with that? 
I mean, look at look at no. like look at like Josh Oppenheimer, like the the past two docs that he's done. What is what is the last one he's done? Look of Silence. Oh, you're talking about the wait. You're talking about uh, not the Warner Herzog stuff. Well, Herzog's kind of involved. Is he producing it? Or something? Yeah, right. Herz- okay. Herzog and, and Errol Morris are, bo- are both like producing it or whatever. But right. like that stuff is like there's nothing grand about how it looks. But right. if you watch those things, it is like gut wrenching, like the definition of like yeah, like cinema, like documentaries, you know. Right. Um, but literally hardly any thought put into how it looks or how it's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to fig, trying to answer this question. Well, like, I think, I think there's for a long time, there's been just a clear separation between the two where like they didn't have to, then, and they still don't have to mix. You're right. I don't, th- I think, <clears throat> I think what you're seeing like, you know, you make you make stuff that you know. Just even at the the church that you work at, you make stuff that's like very heavy on the cinematic side and the beauty side, and it's just purely to communicate a idea or whatever um, through a cinematic, you know, piece. And at the same time, there's just obviously that it's like the other side of the spectrum is. I'm only trying to communicate this person's like humanity in some way. And you can't do that purely just through an image sometimes, uh, or like on a cinematic side of things. So I think what you're seeing people happening and I feel like I would, I'm trying to do this myself, but it's, it's not like a, it doesn't come from a place of like, I'm trying to be the person to bridge the gap or like me and this person and this person are like, like really trying to bridge the gap between narrative and documentary. Yeah. But it's like, I'm literally just doing what I loved. I like the things that I love to bring to film. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And you feel like you found like kind of the, the intersection between those things. Not yet. No. Some people might say that, that, that I have sometimes, but not every time. Yeah. I, th- I mean, honestly, like, I think a lot of the stuff that I've made in the past is, like, uh, pretty shallow, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, like, I guess, it's, I, and, I, and I totally get I that. Wanna, I don't want to do that thing where you, you're, 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 I don't want to be a guy that's, like, making something beautiful that's super shallow. Yeah, and and I think you would be less guilty, uh, or at least people would, like, be slower to do that, like to no. you. Sorry, then we're gonna have to cut that. Sorry. Okay, you ready? I gotta, I gotta do something with him right now. All right, keep going. Sorry, I feel like people would be slower to do that to you as than they would to me. I feel like. What do you mean? Like people would find me much more guilty of just making nice looking images when. At least, like, the reality is it's not really my intent, you know? like Do you feel that way about yourself, though? Yeah, for sure. I feel like I would be right in the crosshairs of, like, the um, only story matters uh, camp. You know what I mean? You mean, like, those people looking at you? Yeah, 
with being like concepts. he doesn't know anything about like classical like story structure or I don't know anything about classical story structure. It's because you're a deadbeat wash up self taught yeah. filmmaker. That's why. Jeez, what an asshole. Man. <laughs> Uh, no, but you could, I, like, I could tell you, you know, the 10 points to every story. But, like, if I actually internalize that and know how to make that into a film, no. I can't do that every time. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if there's an answer to this, Jared. I don't know. If the, I'm starting to lose sight of the question. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the definition of a good question, though. Yeah. So, anyway, we got into something. I really do want to talk about that more, though. Like that balance because I feel like people get get typecast as like they're one or the other when I feel like it's just it's it's too it's just too easy of a generalization to put people in those two things. Right. Okay. So who is that? Who asked that question? Andrew. Andrew, I'm really I'm just gonna apologize for both of us for not answering that very well. <laughs> um okay. Okay, let's get to your question, man. I th- this is a like literally three or four questions asking about this, but um, do you hear my the raven? I do. I do. <laughs> I hear. Um, and this will come. I'm just going to say this is coming from uh, Ben Dvorak. V v o r a k Dvorak. Ben Dvorak. No, I think it's I think it's Dvorak. Okay. Uh, Jared, any advice on growing a video production team at a church? Um, he keeps going and says, right now it's uh, me and two interns, and we're in, in, itching to grow uh, the ministry. Thanks. Exclamation point. Yeah, I mean, I think this goes for um, anybody trying to build a team, but I can speak directly to like the context of building a video team in a church. Well, let's um, just give some context. How many people on just the film team work at Elevation? Um, the fact that you're counting in your head <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> he's, it'd be, he's it'd be eight. It'd be eight. eight. Eight, not including me. And that's not including interns or anything? That's including one intern. We have okay. a, year, a year-long intern. And how many producers and how many actual like? That included... Well, we've got a project manager and a producer. So project manager is more like logist like logistics, like this is when it's due. Producer is like helping us make sure that it happens by that deadline. <laughs> so okay, let me back up though. So I've been at elevation for it'll be seven years in June. And so here's like my if I could answer it in one like statement, I would say uh stick around. Um, and I think that probably goes for, for building any team. I mean, um, Christian, you were at music bed, uh, for three years, a little under three years. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's a totally different kind of ball game, but at a church, um, I just, I feel like you've got to earn trust. Um, there is a level of, um, you know, not like proving yourself, but like showing yourself to be like trustworthy. Um, and I think that's why, you know, like at Elevation, I've been able to um, kind of like try a lot of things and do like a lot of different things and experiment and kind of challenge what churches typically do with video. And I think a lot of that has just come from um, 
doing the stuff that you don't see. Um, like what? What do you mean? Like doing um, a lot of videos that anybody does at a church. Because I think people look at Elevation and it's like, all we do is like sexy stuff. Like where we go <laughs> go go off and shoot and like have like 50 feet of dolly or something like that. And it's like, this is not a, a clear, accurate depiction of what we do. Um, but what we do week to week, day to day, um, has enabled us to have the freedom to experiment and try those things. And, and, and honestly, it's not just about experimentation and like me doing what I want, but it's trying to find a new way to contribute to what's going on here. And, um, that is something that you build over time. And so whether it's, um, you know, finding your place with inside the ministry that takes time or whether it's building a team um that takes time so i would just say in general um stick around uh try and be like loyal and faithful to um the church that you're at or that god's called you to and uh, i think those things like will start to click into place if you um if you if you have like a vision and a drive to see like those things come to pass it just takes it just takes time so how would you stick it out though man like i guess not like more practically how do you stick something out that's um, you don't quit you stay no i know but i know what you're saying but like how do you because you you've had those thoughts before you know when yeah for sure you didn't have trust when you were first starting or the first couple years where you were just kind of a, a workhorse yeah you know what i mean so what is it in your head that makes it worth it to you like, other than the fact that you're doing it for, obviously, like, a great cause, a great, like, family of people who are trying to make something happen week to week. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. How do you, in that moment, say, like, this is worth it? Like, are you seeing the team that you have now, like, actually in your head when that, those, like, the, the I guess the thoughts that... Um, of the future is that kind of what draws like drives you to keep on doing it or is it something yeah i mean more practical uh, like i would say off the top just assuming you know that like uh why you're doing what you're doing is kind of like the driving force let's just assume that's the case yeah um yeah a team is a huge part of it like um, I love who I work with, not even just the the film team that I lead, but like the people that are around me, the fact that like there are so many talented people gathered in one place. I'm like, I don't, I'm not willing to, even when things get really hard, I'm not willing to give that up and not be a part of that because I feel like it's not an accident that so many people have been like so many really talented, gifted people have been like gathered here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when things get hard, it's it's definitely helpful for me to think about like, the people that are involved here and me wanting to continue to like do this with them for sure. Can you speak a little bit about not, um, cause there is, there is an aspect to it that is, um, and just from knowing the guys on your team and knowing you, like there's an aspect of like, you guys are like kind of crazy in the amount of like work that you guys put in yourself per project you know like not yeah. so, so much like week to week but like you guys hold yourself to like an incredibly kind of higher standard even just than what is probably perceived yeah 
So, like, can you speak a little bit to that as far as, like, you know, maybe to a guy that is only having, like, only does have, like, two interns and, like, is having to make a ton of stuff week to week? How does somebody pursue yeah, the quality I mean, that, that they want to have? I think it's got to be, you've got to make, like, I mean, again, whether it's music better or whether you're doing a spot for Subaru, I, to some extent, um, you know, like, here at Elevation, like I've got to make like the mission of what we're doing like personal to me. You know what I mean? So then that informs like like my personal standard. Like I just I, I don't know how to describe it, but like you have the same thing, Christian. Like I just have a standard of like I'm not gonna do anything unless like it's this right. good. Right. You know? And yeah. not everything's a ten out of ten, obviously. Even if I wanted it to be, it, can't, it wouldn't It's not be. so much about, like, you can't, like, you don't finish a project and say, okay, that scored an eight on the <laughs> on the scale of, like, everything that I've ever made. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you what, are you, to, what, are you, what are you asking me? Let me make sure I understand exactly what I'm... I'm asking you, like, how do you practically maintain the quality with the resources that you might have and the time constraints that you might have as a small team working at a church? Um, I don't know. I mean, I have to, I have to look back at like when the team was me and Steven Lester, <laughs> like it has not always been what people think that it is. And that it's just like, I got handed like a silver spoon. Like it is like, I started with two people and then the guy that I was, that I was reporting to left and it was just me. And then I hired Stephen Lester, and and we did it by ourselves for several years. And so, during that time, when there was no support, there was no producer, there was no project manager, there was no intern. Um, there was just an internal like barometer of like I have to like make great work because I make great work. Hmm. And um that's like kind of a part of my DNA and a part of who I am. I'm not saying that in a way that I'm like, Jared Hogan is the man. I'm saying like, I have like an internal drive to like, there's like fulfillment in like producing great work. To be be not just like the best, but just your best. Yeah. I mean, obviously I want to be the best. I'm still driven to do that. Right. Um, But yes, exactly what you're saying. Like to, I, I have to do like my best and, I, I don't know how to explain how we got from two people to, I mean, including because Steven has a whole other team now that handles all the broadcast side of right. stuff. And so you add all those together, it's probably closer to like 14 or 15 people. Um, but I'm sure I could go through and break down how all that happened, how we grew, but it's all rooted and based in um, working really hard and, and uh, putting in the hours um, and being like, I just don't know how to say it other than to say like stuck around and I made really good work and it's, it's given me opportunities to like grow my team and grow like the scope of like what we do. Right. And so if well, I would had, you, would you say that it's th- another kind of internal thing is that you're asking, like you're never saying that anything is ever good enough. Um, or is there a point in which something is good enough? Yeah, I mean, it's you got to factor in priorities. Um, right. 
like what is a priority for not me necessarily, but for like what we're trying to accomplish as a church. So um, there may be something that's, <laughs> my voice is correct. Um, <laughs> the, there may be like a really big production that takes a lot of people, a lot of hours, but isn't necessarily going to translate into a big project for the church. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, um, like we need to do, like we'll be given a task, like we need to give people this information because it's very, very important. And then there's also like, and we have this little like uh, video we need you to make. And it's like, I can get my priorities all out of order and like put so much emphasis on the thing I have more creative freedom in. Right. And that will land you with literally no <laughs> opportunities to grow because leadership is like, well, I see what you think is important. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think being able to align like my priorities with the priorities of like leadership and like what yeah. we're like driving toward as a church and as an organization that like a, like a sequence in a series of those decisions of like, I'm doing this because I see that it's important for like the big picture not like to make us look cool or to like be able to right. like rent that camera. Right. Um, and thankfully I think that's happened over a long enough period where a lot of that has kind of merged. Like what I want to do, right, right. like, like I'm like, this will be great to like stretch us as a film team is also the things that like we really need to do as a church. And so it's yeah. when those kind of things like merge, that's when it gets like really fun, I guess. Cause like the obvious thing like you know like it's like a very common saying like if you want to get promoted think like the boss you know sure. I mean? right but at the same time if i thought like the boss in a creative sense <laughs> yeah right would, you would just be making a bunch of like basically infomercial infomercials about you know times and places and and stats and whatever it's it's all like mutual trust you know what i mean right. like right. i trust leadership and pastor steven to be like this is where we're going i go that direction and then he's like cool like now I trust you to be like the expert in your field and I want you to like kind of translate that vision into like video form, you know? Right. And so it's just been a, a process of like, like kind of, um, yeah, that like handing off, you know, mutual trust back and forth. Like I trust where we're going and then I trust you to be a part of like pushing us forward, you know? Right. So yeah, I think so, it, just, it just takes time. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the last question. This, can be, this is just a fun one. If you don't have an answer, whatever. But this comes from Jason Junkie. I'm going to say that that's a Junkie. Junkie. And uh, he, he says, in reference to the last podcast, uh, what is one darling man. you wish you could have saved from a, a past project? Hmm. And if you haven't heard the last episode, basically Lucas... Uh, went to this idea of like people creating darlings on set or in the edit room and that actually served no purpose in the larger uh, context. Which I think we've all had one of those moments, but I just don't know. Um, Do you have anything that comes to mind? Like a shot that you like? Oh, I can, I can tell you one. Okay. Um, Give me the scenario. Okay. So I was, uh, so small little things, the film that I did a couple of years ago was all built around this idea that never even made it into the film. Like 
I, I, like you said, Christian, like what I do here at Elevation is like very time I remember this. I remember time you showed consuming. me, a, you showed me a very, uh, early rough cut. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do here at Elevation is very time consuming. <laughs> so <laughs> trying to get a, a, um, a passion short project. film. What'd you say? Yeah. Passion project. Yeah. Yeah. Like a short or any kind of passion project off the ground, but it was different. Cause it was like, I had to raise the money. I had to write the thing. I had to bring everybody together. So it wasn't like a music right. video or something like that or a, or a, uh, some kind of commercial project. It was like I was generating everything from the ground up. Yeah. Um, was really difficult. It took me like two and a half years from like, I should do this to like actually shooting it. Um, and then anyway, so the whole, the whole idea came from this idea, like kind of concept of what would it be like to have, um, you know, kind of like, uh, a couple, like a young teenage couple who are like totally infatuated with, with each other, kind of like a Romeo and Juliet type, yeah. like, like couple who don't really actually know each other, but have fallen head over heels in love with each other. What would happen if you put them in a scenario where, um, they like their time, they're essentially like their lives are on like the clock, you know, like they knew they were going to die. And then how would they interact between each other? If they, they don't, yeah. they don't really know each other. But like when like the stakes are that high, would they kind of what would happen? And so yeah, yeah. Um, and then I started to just like develop and develop and develop from that. And so that's where the whole thing started. And then I I filmed the whole thing. I filmed that scene to end the whole movie. And then um, I I was editing it and got to the end and just kind of realized that like I hadn't actually earned that moment, like. <laughs> Um, it yeah. just, it just wasn't working. It wasn't fitting and it just felt really forced. And I just ended up cutting off essentially the last two and a half, three minutes of the film and really like accomplished a similar, um, kind of theme, but like I had to cut that scene. And so yeah. it was like every, it was like the foundation of every idea that I had built was built on that. And then I got in the edit room and it was as simple as like that moment's not working. Yeah. And I, I just had to like kind of suck it up. And I'm, I would say I'm actually like, I listened to, to, you know, your episode with Lucas and I feel like, especially leading a team, I've become very good at letting those things go Sure, because yeah. I have to like, um, I have to, I, I just have to, you know, I look at too many projects that, you know, other people are editing or putting together <laughs> And I what is the reaction of, of a filmmaker on your team when you say like that thing? Like, yeah, cut it. What is like the? I don't. The reaction? Um, I don't. I mean, not positive all the time. I think because they, you're not very like gentle in the way that you say those things. Why would you just say that? Me, just for me knowing you, you, you um, would say like, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, that's probably how I would Something say that it. They, <laughs> that they've spent so long on. Uh, I think. To I, I think it's. I don't honestly know, and I don't mean this in a mean way, and the guys know it when they listen to this. Like, I don't really care. I care about them. I don't really care about that specifically um, because I need them to learn how to think like that too. Hmm. Um, and so I think leading a team, I've just had to learn how to become better at that. And I think it's affected um, how I do things personally too on on projects that I'm working on. Um, so I definitely am not perfect at it, but like, um, if there, if there is like, uh, an amount of time or even money or energy or effort that like went into something, I'm, I'm pretty good at being able to, um, 
separate myself from that and make a decision that's best for the project. Do you feel like you are? Not all the no, not all the time. No. Yeah, I think. I mean, I wouldn't the, say all the time, but I think the key is like the obviously the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah, like that can do that for you. Like you know, and that's kind of why I we've started using. Um, um, and this can kind of lead into like my darling that I can think of, but you know, we started using on this past project, uh, we made a feature documentary last year and we used Lucas to, to do that project. And that was honestly like the first time that anybody had like really like challenged me as like, yeah, I enjoyed that part of your episode. I, I, yeah, it's, it's funny, like being on set and you're like the boss. Right. And like people will give you feedback and I think, and I love surrounding myself with people like that. That's why I love working with Ryan Booth so much right, right. is like, he'll, he'll do that. But that was an interesting part of, of yeah. so what was that process like for you? Um, it's like, it's like very, it can be very, I don't know. I, I get lost in my own head very easily and get upset at myself very easily. <laughs> yeah. So like the process is very kind of like hurtful for me or like because you immediately even um and this is like an entire other episode that i would like to do but like even working with clients like you show them a film or you show them a cut of the film whether it's a rough or whatever and you want their reaction to be something um (laughs) right like like on the more like um blown away side whatever like they're just like wow like this is so much more than we thought it would be and it's never like that it's always like wow this is great great start here's <laughs> here's um you know 15 pages of notes you know great seriously start. Like, you know, there's projects you know even recently where like i've submitted a rough cut to something and it is exactly that where they say you know this is a great start and i'm like man i don't want this to be the start like obviously like uh it's and it's all about process. Like you have to learn how to communicate to to clients and whatever. But it's a very hurtful kind of um, more like internally hurtful for myself, though. If yeah. I'm just being transparent, but um, but yeah, like for me, I think the only darling that I can really think of is through that last year through that uh, feature film that we were doing, which was a documentary. Um, and in the documentary, we I think we ended up interviewing 16 or 17 people um, and like actually traveling to, you know, their home or their, their location. And these are like 17 uh, creative people um, that do kind of, whether it's music, design, filmmaking, whatever. Um, But we spent some time with this guy in New York. I won't say who it was, um, but we um, had this entire scene um where like I thought his his interview was great, like his his whole thing was like really great. The entire experience was great, and we had this scene where he basically just walked from his house, which is very close in uh, um right close to uh, the I think it's the Hudson River. Is that the Hudson River? I don't like know. it goes through New York. I don't know. I sound like an idiot. Uh, but basically he walks to the pier from his house and Ryan just basically shot him the whole way. And it was the most beautiful thing that we ever captured in the entire film. And, um, didn't say anything to the subject, like just let him do his thing. And he kind of like, 
did a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and just kind of like walked all the way up here and it was just like the most cinematic moment. And it was like the lighting situation was perfect. Like the interaction with himself was perfect. He was just like a guy kind of just being, you know, in his own head. Um, and we got to, I got to the edit room, what was like six months later or something? And it was like not even there. Oh no. And I was like, I was like, hey, did that, <laughs> this is me and Lucas's interaction. I was like, hey, did that, like what happened to the whole segment? And he was like, oh yeah, it just wasn't good. Like it just didn't fit. And like, you're talking like two whole days, like thousands of dollars and just like, <laughs> like, travel like location whatever like getting all the people together to do it and just like very simply like nah it just didn't work at all and I was in that moment you're just like dang it okay alright <laughs> yeah so I don't know Jared this was a fun episode do you think you answered that question well I think I did you did a good job I think um no it's been great you know what's gonna be the, the best part of it what is not editing it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll test it out and see how people respond, but I think they'll respond pretty well. I hope so. We'll see. Okay, yeah. we'll do we'll do another episode like this soon with some question and answers. Yeah. And if you send in a question that we didn't answer, we may answer it later, but yeah. probably not. But thank you for <laughs> thank you for submitting it. So um, we'll see you guys next week. We're going to be on with Ryan Connolly from Film Riot. That's the plan. And it was a pretty insightful interview. I thought so. It was good. So we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. This episode was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to refer to him, Christian number two. Our show is edited by Olivia Londo. As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs. You can check out more of his stuff on CubbySounds.com. Our show is produced by Wim Wire, and our good podcast logo was designed by Eric Hurchin. Also, you can find all of our show notes and other fun stuff at GoodThePodcast.com.